Welcome to What They Never Told Us, the podcast where we explore our own personal journeys in the hopes to give you some insight into your own narrative. I'm your host, Sasha, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm your host, Crystal, licensed social worker. Yes, we are mental health professionals. However, we are not experts on anyone else but ourselves. You are the only expert on you. The information shared or discussed on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Hello, and welcome back to what we know is your favorite podcast. Today, we have a couple things that we need to talk about before the episode. Just to give you a little preview, um, since you all liked the first What We Wish We Were Told so much, we got so much good feedback. Um, Crystal and I made another list of all the other things that we wish we were told and the lovely lessons we have missed out on or maybe never had the opportunity to experience. But before we begin and before we do any kind of check-in, Crystal has something that she wants to share. Yeah, well, that was going to be my, what am I holding in? It was like news, big news. Uh, So I'll actually start us off. Um, But you can do your news and your what, what are you holding in separate? Um, So, (laughs) so I'm in Italy. I know that I mentioned that I would be moving and that I would be uh, teaching in Italy in their public school system. So I'm in Northern Italy, closer to Milan, just for reference about the area that I'm at. Um, it's so crazy. I can see the Alps like on my way to and from the my job <laughs> at the school. Nice. It's so weird like to see them like they're right there. Um, so definitely very beautiful. Uh, it's been an experience. There's been a lot of emotions, a lot of you know, excitement and then I don't understand what anyone is saying and there's so many new things happening at once and it was just like a huge culture shock and the jet lag so I feel like I've, I've been holding in a lot and I actually have had the honor and the pleasure of being supported by a lot of like my friends and everyone's like been messaging me and staying in contact with me which has been beautiful but the time difference is so crazy in Italy it's a six hour time difference so when I'm waking up to go to work, people are going to sleep, <laughs> like, or are already asleep Yo, in New York that's City. That's what happened last night. Yes. <laughs> like, what are you doing up? And she's like, I'm going to work. I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to sleep. Yes. <laughs> um, and then, of course, by the time that my day is over, my work day is over, that's when people in New York City are waking up. So it's it has been a little challenging to have, like, consistent conversations. But when I was talking to my therapist, I finally felt like I could tell her everything and like these are all of the emotions and here's the good and here's the bad and here's the uncertain and here's everything that I've been sitting with um Mm. so there's just been a lot of like anxiety excitement confusion you know me fighting my desire to retreat and really trying to make the best of this experience because I will only be here for three months I've been holding a lot of space for a lot of different emotions, experiences. So it's been good. Overall, like the experience has been really great. Even the challenges have been minor in comparison to just all of the good that's happening. And I'm eating a lot of food, like a lot of food. (laughs) You might have to roll me back to New York after this. No, we can't roll you. You're just going to like fall into the ocean if you're gaining weight. (laughs) Sorry, you're not. I'm kidding. You're not going to gain weight. I know you won't. I think you're exaggerating anyway. Um, But 
I'm really happy for you. And I love that check-in because you, you literally said that you've been holding in all these feelings because you can't talk to anybody. Um, mm-hmm. And it's crazy. Like, when we adjust to change, that's what happens. And, like, it's so interesting how, like, that, that just showed me, like, yo, when things are happening in our lives, we need people to reach out to. Um, so I can just imagine what you're going through. But thank you for that. Um, I... I'm excited for you. I get it's funny. Like when I see you, I get very excited. And I'm like, tell me, mm-hmm. tell me, tell me. Um, but on the flip side, I am having a life, uh, and I forget in moments. But I'm holding in a lot of anger. Um, and it's funny because I am happy for you right now, and I'm not experiencing the anger. But I know lately I've been just holding in a lot of anger. Um, I recently realized that one of my main triggers, especially like that leads to like trauma reaction is feeling like I'm invisible or mm. having people not see me or invalidate me. And, yo, that just pisses me off lately. Because what happened, like, I'm just mad. I'm just fucking mm. mad. I'm, like, I want to tell the world to fuck off. I want to put people in their place. I want to tell my coworkers, not all of them, but one specifically, to just get your shit together, realize that we all function together, and that you're not the only one with problems. Because when you do mm-hmm. that, you end up hurting other people. Like, you're not, like, I don't understand the whole woe is me. I get it. Bad shit happens to us. When, but when you create this world where you're always a victim, eventually mm. you start hurting other people. And it's like, when are you going to stop? So I've just been holding in a lot of anger towards people. Um, and I want to speak to it because I don't think I've ever really learned how to manage my anger. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, well, fuck you, fuck you. I like you. You could stay, but you can leave if you really want to go. Like, I'm, that's where I'm at. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're working through feeling the emotions and working through the anger because I think anger is a very like complex emotion. So sometimes it's a secondary emotion, right? So like mm-hmm. maybe fear, anxiety, things like that cause anger. But I find that. Anger is one of those emotions that in society we've learned, like you express it through, at least for me, this is what I feel. This is why I'm afraid when I feel (laughs) anger. I'm like, I want to hit somebody. I want to hit something. Mm. I want to hit somebody. I don't know. I just, I want to express it physically. And I think for me, I struggle sometimes to um, sit with those emotions and not let them out physically. I definitely look forward to just hearing more about how expressing how you feel to the people that are making you angry um, works out for you because I definitely need a healthier way of expressing anger. Well, I love that you said that. So I guess this applies to what was told to us. Um, when you're angry, it is a secondary response. Mm-hmm. And it's it has to do with pain, right? And I spoke about the trigger of not being seen. Yo, that shit hurts. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, I have two choices. I express it, I let it out, or I internalize it. And that's depression. Mm -hmm. When you internalize, like, anger and all these emotions, and it's inward instead of outward. No, absolutely. And I think we should definitely do something, do an episode on anger at some point, because Mm -hmm. it's definitely something that we struggle with a lot, especially in in a society that doesn't express emotions in the first place. So we don't Mm -hmm. even fear feel the primary emotion which is you know 
the pain of not being seen, like the frustration or the anxiety, things like that. So uh, definitely a good topic for the future. So I guess that does really relate to one of the things that I've been thinking about of what I wish I was told, aside from just like regular information about how we function. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about who's nice, how we label people and how we label their intentions and what does that mean about them and how we kind of like give them passes, right? So what I was speaking to before, because I've been noticing people are just kind of going to do what's best for them, even if it means walking all over you. I oh really my wish- God, that was on my list too. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> but go ahead. Oh, tell that's me, so funny. Tell me, because seriously, to our listeners, we did not no. exchange notes prior to. We were just like, whatever. Like, we'll just go in and record. So it's so funny that we have the same, that is <laughs> the so same funny. lesson. <laughs> that is so funny. So the lesson is: just because someone is nice to you and has the best intentions, that does not mean. They will not be selfish and in return end up throwing you away like garbage. Um, yo, I have learned that no matter how good people think they are or if they, you know, they try hard. I've come to realize that when push comes to shove, yo, people will always choose themselves first. Mm-hmm. Always, always, always. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I had that same lesson, but my the way that I thought about it was slightly different. I had written down a lot of people in this world will prioritize themselves and put their needs first, even if it's in spite of you. Um, And people will do it when they know that they can get away with it. If they know they can get away with it, they will absolutely choose that option. And um, that doesn't ever make it okay. And that's not, you know, your fault as an individual on the receiving end. Um, But it, it makes me really sad to think that that's how people operate in this world. And I was thinking like, why are we like that? Because I think with the pandemic specifically for me, I started to, obviously I had a lot of time to reflect between my new therapist, the podcast. I feel like I've been thinking a lot more about who do I want to be as a person. And I realized that I even though people don't feel like they have any social responsibility, which is what I learned um, in the pandemic and how Mm. selfish people have been, I do feel like I do have social responsibility to others. And it does make me angry sometimes because I'm like, why am I trying to be the bigger person, so to speak, in Mm -hmm. a situation where everyone else will throw me under the bus and choose themselves over me? But it's just not, it doesn't align with the person that I want to be. Um, you know, and it's hard because we live in a very individualistic, capitalistic society. You know, we operate in a space where it's like survival of the fittest, even if that's not what we necessarily see or think about, that is how we operate. Like you have to do what you can to survive. And if that means stepping on somebody else, you step on somebody else. Right. I try not to take it personal. Um, And that's the piece that I'm struggling with because it's like, I'm trying to be the bigger person, but I'm trying not to take it personal, but it makes me angry that people don't care. And then I don't want to care, but then I don't want to be the person. I don't want to be someone that I'm not. So it's a, it's an internal struggle for sure. Yo, I was really thinking about this. um, And it's so funny that it's also in your mind. Um, I think that people like you and me, and there's a lot of people that relate to us, right? They've been conditioned to put other people first. Mm-hmm. Right. So that means they've been conditioned to be boundaryless. Right. Mm-hmm. So boundaries is one of the things I spoke about in the first episode, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But 
okay, fine. But now that we are learning boundaries, I still want to live in a world like you that we want, that we look out for each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so when I realize that people don't do that, I'm like, yo, what's going on? And it's, and I really started thinking because I'm not perfect. I'm flawed. I've been selfish before. So I'm not talking about the accidental selfishness, right? Where you don't re- recognize what's going mm-hmm. on. I'm talking about the kind of selfishness where you point out to somebody, hey, you're stepping all over me, FYI. Like, it's kind of like you're in an elevator with somebody and they keep stepping on you and then you kind of pat them on the back like, hey, you know, can you just be mindful? And they're like, oh, sorry. And then they go ahead and do it again. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, now I know you're just prioritizing yourself because you just want to be comfortable. And those are the people that I'm talking about. Like, because I know that at least for me, when someone comes and says, Sasha, you're doing X, Y, Z, and my experience of it feels negative, whatever that is, fill in the blank. I'm like, yo, what can I do, right, to, to like change that, to make sure that I show that this person matters to me? Because I know on the flip side, yo, that shit hurts when people do that to you. When you literally, and especially people you love, like you turn around and you say, not even that, like people that aren't doing the right thing and you know they had the option or the choice to do the right thing, right? Like it hurts. It feels like, yo, I'm invisible. It feels like I don't matter. And it's like, yo, what makes you matter more than me? And then that's like, and then we get into this competition mode, which is capitalism. Um, So I'm not surprised. But yeah, it's crazy. Like I, and it does relate to that story of my coworker because I literally told them, I said, "Hey, FYI, this is how it looks," and they looked at me in the face and said, "How can you say that?" And now I'm looking at them. I'm like, "Nah, either you're crazy, you're that oblivious, or you are just go- like going along for the ride and playing out a role mm-hmm. that benefits you most, and that's mm-hmm. not okay." Right. Absolutely, I agree, and I think that leads also to I was I was this was kind of like a two parter for me, <laughs> um, where I was you know I wrote down like people's behavior is a reflection of themselves, not you. Mm. Like mm. that says so much about your coworker, right? <laughs> um, that. <laughs> No, you know what I'm laughing because, uh, like, you know, fuck Master Flex when he drops the bomb? Yo, the yeah. bomb should have been dropped right now because that is, I wish somebody would have fucking told me that. Because yeah. when you're boundaryless, you own that shit like it's yours. Absolutely. You start to believe that, um, you know, it's it's something personal. It's, I mean, sometimes it is a little bit personal. I'm not going to lie. But I think, like, a lot of times because, like what we said, people operate, um from a place of their own comfort and what they can get away with and their need for survival, success, whatever. I think we we take we think like, what did I do? Like mm-hmm. when you're boundaryless, like Sasha said. Um, and we I, I just I wanna remind you all to not take it personally is is what it is. Like sometimes it really is not about you. And I think it also takes a lot of like self-awareness and emotional intelligence to realize like what is yours and what's not yours. But once you start to, you know, now that you have these lessons, you can start to decipher like what should have been the boundary, right? Like on your part. And what was this person doing for personal gain versus saying like, oh, I did something wrong. I deserve this. You know, I'm not worthy of being treated better, whatever you're internal monologue is that's so funny because I was having a conversation with my therapist um because I'm also on a path of changing 
my boundaries and people are having reactions to them. Especially mm-hmm. People that are used to you having no boundaries. Mm-hmm. And when you're changing that dynamic, people are going to turn around and act like you're the problem. And they don't realize, but that's that's like the codependency. That's what that is. It makes you feel as though you are the problem because you're not helping them anymore or you're mm-hmm. not appeasing or, you know, doing whatever it is that makes them feel comfortable. Yo, you're going to and it's going to take a lot for you to fight it. Uh, even if you logically know you're not the problem, it's it, it's hard. It still weighs heavy on you, even if you do the right thing and you stand up for yourself. It still feels like shit because I actually recently had that experience. And, you know, it's so funny, um, you were speaking about boundaries, and I I just mentioned that, like, people's behavior is a reflection of themselves. It's hilarious how when I know someone's working on their boundaries, I'm like, I'm going to respect your boundaries. Like, Mm -hmm. I make it a point to say, like, I want to respect wherever you are coming from, whatever it is that you need, to the point where there was one friend where I was like, nervous about asking them for uh like a small favor and they were like why were you nervous and I was explaining well like I know you're trying to practice boundaries and I didn't want you to feel like you had to say yes to me because I'm your friend so I was like I was even thinking for them because I was like I don't want you to think that I don't respect you I know that you're working on these things she agreed to to do it um just because we were close friends but I I make it an effort, even when it's an inconvenience to me, because I know that that's how I want to be received, like, or I want people to treat me when it's, when I'm the one setting the boundary. And it's interesting because what that does is it sets up exactly the opposite of what we always talk about, like individualistic versus collective. Because when you're in an individualistic mindset, you feel like something's being taken from you when mm-hmm. someone doesn't do what's comfortable for you and then there's the resentment because there's always this idea of a winner and loser right Mm -hmm. when you're kind of in a collective setting you think okay I'll do this because I care for the person and I know they need it and on the flip side what happens and I think you and I have been experiencing this lately more than ever um where it's like okay no problem I know you're not feeling good it's fine I don't mind I genuinely don't mind and I hate saying inconveniencing myself because it doesn't feel like an inconvenience Mm -hmm. But I don't mind going with your route today if it makes right. your life easier. And then I know that when I really can't, you'll be like, okay, I'll go your route, right? Like, so I like that. Um, it just feels different. Um, it, there's no winner or loser. It just, you got me, I got you when we need it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I wish that was how we all worked. Speaking about boundaries, I know we've talked a lot about it, but I did want to say that Taking up space and boundaries are the cheat codes to life. (laughs) Work on taking up space and work on boundaries. And I promise you, things will start to change, like, legit. Um, And I feel like even for anyone who's been listening consistently, a huge chunk of the topics that we've discussed in this podcast, like, if you really dissect, uh, like, a funnel, like, you kind of have, like, the big open uh, entryway and then it kind of like narrows down a lot of it can be simplified to these two things it's not everything right but a good portion of it does come down to these things because if you master them the other things you work through become significantly easier to navigate right Mm -hmm. um because you begin to experience the world in a different way that's more suited to your personal needs so it has the power to like shift your mood your perspective on the world Um, You start to feel more comfortable in who you are, like you can build your confidence, you don't feel uncomfortable, you don't feel unsafe. Those are two like 
as you're doing the work, two really big things that I think you should focus on is boundaries and taking up space because self-love, you know, um, all of these, like building better, more effective relationships, all of those things come back to, to those two things. And I would actually like put a little disclaimer on the bottom of that because it's, it's true because you're talking to the people who are like you and me, right? Mm-hmm. Who didn't have those things. But I would put a disclaimer on that. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, I got that. Think about how much space you're taking up. Think mm. about how your space may take away boundaries mm. or space from other people, right? Like that, there has to be this mindfulness on both angles because right. that is how we can, like I said, like we can all kind of just like, and I don't want to say we can all hold hands, blah, blah, blah. No, that's not what I mean. I mean, like in your relationships, your personal relationships, when you're happy in them, the world just seems like a brighter place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, that's how you have to practice. It's like, okay, how what's my role in this life and what's fair and what's not? And we all, I think we all have an understanding of a moral code. I just feel like lately we've been ignoring it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. This I'm not a fan of this pandemic, but that's another story for another day, <laughs> another yeah. episode. I got it. So I actually think that what I last said goes into one of the points I have. I really wish that somebody would have told me that life is going to bring both positive and negative, like mm. all the time. I grew up like feeling negative, 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 negative. I got older, and when I tried to like change my life around. I almost felt entitled to a life of positive. And like every time something mm-hmm. negative came at me, this is very recent too, I got resentful. Right. Like, like you had why... reached your quota mm-hmm. of negative shit. Exactly. And like, and it just hit me not too long ago that, oh, this is life. Life is always mm-hmm. good and bad. Right. So you have the option. This is what I wish somebody would have told me. It's important to learn how to choose the positive for an overall better experience, which. That is so hard. And maybe it sounds like a little robotic. I literally was under the impression that good things happen to you. And I'm starting to realize that, yes, they happen to you because that's life, right? Good and bad things happen to you. Mm -hmm. And now I'm recognizing my responsibility for making the good things happen to me. It's always going to be there. What are you choosing? Mm -hmm. And it sucks, right? Because it it, it almost feels like the fairy tales popped, the little bubbles popped. (laughs) But I really wish that somebody would have told me that, okay, this is what life really is like. Because with that, with that knowledge and with that understanding, there's an acceptance that I'm working, that I'm trying to work on now. And it's hard to do that when all the negative is coming at me at at the same time. Yes, I agree uh, with what you said. I think that's actually very powerful um, because I think that we set ourselves up a lot in life, just in general. Thinking Mm -hmm. like life should be happy, it should be easy, it should be rainbows and butterflies. Um, And I think that because we experience so much trauma in this world, I feel like everyday inconveniences or even bigger things feel like, like I said to you, like, oh, I've I've reached my quota. Like, I'm good. Like, this job sucks, like, blah, blah, blah. So for a very long time in my life, I was feeling very depressed. And I finally got to a point where it's like, okay, like I've, I've worked through enough of my trauma where it's not something that affects my life as significantly. But I would think, um, but in the past when I would like 
fall into depression, come back out, fall into depression, come back out. Whenever I would come back out and it didn't last, I was like, this therapy is not working. Like, blah, blah, blah. like you know what I'm saying? Like, I- I'm doing something wrong. Or when I would lift back out of the depression, like after a while, I would start to think it's only a matter of time before I go back. Because yeah. that's that's the pattern. That's what always happens. And um, obviously, it just I, I needed to work a little bit more on my traumas and work with a better therapist. Uh, I think that even now when I experience negative things, because I've done so much work to restructure my thoughts and the way that I think, I think like, oh, this is life. Bad things mm. happen along with the good. And I also find that I make a lot more space for gratitude. I tell people I appreciate them a lot. And I think about the little things that happen and think about how wonderful it is. Again, this is because of a lot of work with CBT, but I kind of just like, yeah, this is good. And I I own the bad and I own the good. Um, So I think that's a great lesson for sure. Absolutely. And it's like, if you can choose to see the good out of the bad, I mean, it's... Mm -hmm. I hate saying it's it hard. sometimes. It's hard. <laughs> it's it is, really right? Hard. Like, but there's a choice. That's the choice, right? Like, that's, and that's the why choice. We always, yeah. That's why we always say, like, do the work, right? Mm-hmm. Because doing the work is a choice. And not in a way, like, you know, trying to beat down on people, but more like, okay, you have to choose something better or else you're going to live in misery, right? And if you really think about it, hurt people hurt people. Oof. So that it's really, yeah. So, like, I, I think that, again, and it's funny how it goes back to my first point, uh, mm-hmm. like, our first point, actually. Like, just do the work. Open your eyes. Uh, recognize that you have to choose it, even if it doesn't feel. Like, trust me when I say that. Crystal and I have been on this journey for a long time, and we didn't feel it at first. We didn't. We would look at each other like, what the fuck are we doing? Uh, yeah. But I've, I feel it. <laughs> I've been feeling it lately. I do want to add a little bit to my point about the therapist piece that I said, because uh, one of my lessons is the right therapist matters. Like the Mm. person who you choose for this journey matters. They matter a lot. Um, And obviously, if you want to know the specifics of what matters, you can definitely listen to our episode. I believe it's like episode 10 or something like that. Choosing the right therapist is definitely one of our earlier uh, episodes. Actually, six earlier episodes just go look for it um so uh there are many factors to take into consideration but i think for me the first and foremost above all else is connection matters emotional safety is very important um and it's the first thing that you need to begin to establish you're not gonna establish it right away but it's something that you need to start to build on um in order to just be vulnerable and open up about your life with this particular person because the healing process doing the work right you have to look at the deepest, darkest, ugliest. Like sometimes it's mm. scary to go into that like little corner or crevice. It feels like, you know, on TV shows when everyone's afraid to go to the basement because it's dark and <sighs> what's down there. Like you like El yeah. Cuco, the monsters are down there. Like you don't want to go. <laughs> That's sometimes what it feels like when you're doing the work. Um, yeah. So you need to feel like whoever is um, helping you go down into that basin, that they got your back, right? Like you want to make sure that that your homie's at the entrance of the basement, making sure like if you need to run, like they got you, right? So um, I do do want to say that. And I think the other big piece for me is uh, cultural competency um, because that kind of falls a little bit under emotional safety, especially if you come from 
some sort of marginalized community, people of color, if you're experiencing the world in a certain way and someone is minimizing what you're feeling or if you have to spend a lot of time explaining to them what's going on. For me personally, it's not true for everybody. I know a lot of people that um, have found therapists that maybe are of a different race or ethnicity and it still works out well for them. So I'm not saying that it has to be someone who is of your background, but someone who at least understands and makes space for, Mm -hmm. to believe you like that, that you're experiencing the world in the way that you're actually like experiencing it. Absolutely. I think um, someone who just understands the complexities of being Mm -hmm. human and that you're having your own unique experience from where you're from what your culture has taught you, right? Because my therapist is white and she's so Mm -hmm. humanistic, um, but I really do believe we were meant to find each other and I've been seeing her for 10 years and I love her. My next lesson, because I've really been thinking about what I want out of life, right? Um, And what my life looks like right now. I really, really wish someone would have told me that love is nothing like we see in the movies. You know, there's no fairy tale ending, and, you know, if you really think about it, the ending is just the beginning in the movies. Um, and it true. doesn't stop there, right? Like, so I wish somebody would have said that happily ever after looks completely different than what we thought it would look, right? Happily ever after is like a peak in love. Mm. And then love is a lot of work. <laughs> so I really wish somebody would have told me to fall in love with the work. Because mm-hmm. I think that real love is looking to your partner, admiring their work, and taking pride in your work. Because a relationship, you're going to, in any relationship, like even Crystal and I, right? This is not just romantic love. You're going to mm-hmm. disagree with your partner a lot. They're going to piss you off. Uh, you're going to have to communicate, which means you will talk yourselves to the path of the things that you enjoy with each other, right? Like it just doesn't happen magically. And the things that I'm talking about are trust, uh, a sense of peace or calm, adoration, appreciation for the other person. And ultimately you work for that love, right? And no one ever tells you that. Um, And I think that that's what we did, right? Like, and I think this applies Mm -hmm. to all relationships. Cause like, yo, like sometimes I'd be looking at you especially now and I'm like, yo, look at where we are. And I admire that and I appreciate that. And that's, that's like rooted in my soul now. It looks different. Um, so I'm not just talking about romantic love here, even though it does work with romantic love, obviously. I wish somebody would have told me that when you are in love, it doesn't mean it's healthy or good for you. Oof. Like, because what the goal is always love. And then the movie ends, right? And and I think that that's why we look at work and we're kind of, we, we're deterred by it. We're like, why do I have to work for this love? It should just happen. And usually when love just happens, it's no good for you. <laughs> like, And I'm not saying that like all the time it happens like that. But when you're not willing to do the work, that's when you know it's not really good for you. Because just kind of like how I said earlier about good things don't just happen out of nowhere. We choose them. We work for them. Love is the same thing. Right. So it's so funny because one, I feel the same about you. I feel very grounded in our relationship, like very sure. And it's so weird because I've never really felt that way about anyone else. And I think about, girl, we fought for this. (laughs) We fought for this so hard. 
<laughs> so it's beautiful, you know, just the way that you described it um, was very accurate. And I'm not going to lie, I'm glad that you are experiencing this uh, whole love, this whole romance thing um, before me because I'm watching. I'm like, oh, that's what it's supposed to be like? Shit, she's taking L's, but I'm not going to take these L's. <laughs> Well, you know, that's fine. That's fine. I think that's... that's I'm like, I'm, I'm taking notes. I am learning from this. <laughs> like, I love that, though. Because you can always learn from other people's experiences. Uh, so, and I'm happy to share that with you, right? Because that's love. Um, it is. Like, I'm not going to be like, no, this is my lesson. No, like, this is why we do the podcast. You know, just because yeah. we suffer and other people don't. They don't have to suffer. Exactly. Oof, that should be, that should be a lesson. So yeah, that kind of segues a little bit to what I wrote next so that some people will just never see their flaws. They'll never see their faults. They will never see or heal from their trauma, from their areas of growth. And you just got to come to terms with that. Even for us, like sometimes I'm like, are people going to relate to this? Like, are people going to feel like this is too much work? And it's like, whoever is ready to do this, whoever wants to do this, will do it. Like mm. whoever needs to hear this, whoever wants to hear this will, will do will do what they need to do. But I feel like I was Captain Savaho um, back in the days. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. I I fell in love with potential a lot, mm. like a lot. Um, and sometimes we spend so much time, so much energy, resources, hope, um, like that someone else will reach this better version of themselves or what we see you know, in them and they're not and our efforts are fruitless. And um, really, truly, the lesson is people don't change unless they want to change. It's in our nature to want better for people, for our friends, for our family, like our partners and things like that. But you can't put in that effort for someone else. Like if they don't want to hold the mirror up to themselves, you have to let go. And, I, you know, I'm saying it very casually. It is not easy to mm -hmm. to let go um because when you care about somebody you want what's best for somebody and sometimes it's it's also like a little bit on the selfish side right because you want to receive the best version of that person mm. right because it's going to feel good for you um so i do feel like it is sometimes a bit of a grieving process and it reminds me a little bit about people who are maybe dealing with someone in their life who's like dealing with addiction or just like codependent mm. relationships but just any relationship in general you have to realize you can't do the work for people you can't want more for people than what they want for themselves mm. It's so real, yo. I feel like the theme of what we wish we were told is like, and the broader theme is like a level of like acceptance mm -hmm. and choice of what it is that life is, right? Like, um, so I completely agree with you. Uh, it's hard to accept that some people just never are going to be what you see in them. And you spoke about grieving. And it's so funny because on my list of things that I wish people would have told me, is that death is a part of life. So like, I feel like that mm. falls into what you're saying because there's a grieving process for everything, right? So like mm -hmm. everything that we lose, um, there's like figurative deaths. And I think we've spoken about this before, but you're going to have to kind of go through them all the time. But I'm talking about, well, I think death and loss in general for me is what I'm referring to. But the idea of like people dying or I'm me dying like yo it just gives me so much anxiety and it goes into what I was saying like with the theme of the, the episode 
I wish that I would have learned to accept this because I've met people. I know people who they really understand that they're going to die and they just they're like, yeah, but that's just what it is. Like, I can't let go. I can't. I, I don't like it. I, I want to control it. It gives me anxiety, especially after I saw my father die. And I know a lot of people who go through this and we don't talk about it enough. Um, I really wish that just the same way, like somebody could have came and told me that this is what I need to endure life and go throughout life to be a better and satisfied person. We also have to accept that because it plays into it. Um, and this is just something I've been thinking about. I hope it's not morbid. Scratch that. As you were speaking, it was reminding me of the episode where we talked about getting older and how there are some societies that need to reintegrate, or there's that model about reintegrating like death and dying kind of like into the life process. I still, like, even after that episode, I do still feel like I compartmentalize mm. endings or things ending. I, I've noticed that a lot of times, and this is also a result of my trauma, I don't fully internalize endings. Mm. Um, I think that I just ignore it as if it doesn't, like I just create a new reality, but I don't mm. acknowledge the previous one. And it's almost like this person didn't exist. Uh, and I, I, I constantly say, like, I feel like I've lived different lives and I'm starting to think like that might be what it is. Cause I feel like every time, like I just start a new life so that I don't have to like integrate all of the pieces of it. Um, so breakthrough moment. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's so funny. I was listening to you talk and I said, damn, that sounds like me because what happens at a certain point when all you do is just kind of push it to the side and you create a new life, you start to eventually that coping mechanism starts to take over you. And you even do that with the good, right? Like you don't know how to, yes. that, that's kind of what leads you to, to not choosing the good because you're kind of like, hold on, I know this is good. How come I can't access that? Because you threw away all the other feelings. That's why. Um, mm-hmm. That's what leaves you numb. And it's like, so it's kind of like you have to accept that in order damn, this is like real, really philosophical, but in order to like enjoy life and be satisfied with the things you have and the things you've done in your life, you have to accept the good and the bad. Um, and that's hard. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but we're getting there. We're doing much better. Yes. Because you started yeah. off the episode saying that you're doing it. So we're working. It's steps, Absolutely. okay? Absolutely. <laughs> Look at you choosing the positive. Absolutely. Okay. Cause we, we about it. Okay. We about what we say. Okay. <laughs> um, and my, uh, last, uh, lesson that I wanted to share with the last thing that I wish I was told is that healing from old wounds is the key to loving yourself. Um, mm. and I say that because I used to read a lot of pop psychology and I love a good psychology book um Mm -hmm. i'm not big into self-help because there's different there's different types of books but i feel like before i used to be like affirmations and what do i love about myself and all of those things are beautiful like i'm not criticizing or saying those are bad things but for a very long time i was like i feel like a fraud how the fuck does this work this doesn't this isn't doing it for me and even though it is great advice i find that i found that for at least for me um, that I needed to start the healing process and understanding what were the wounds and why were they there and like examining them 
before I could get into taking all of these like self-love practices into into my life and for them to actually work. Because what happens is as you start to begin the process of healing from old wounds and understanding why you got to where you are in the first place, um, the self, then you can accept self-love and then you can continue to heal and accept self-love. So it, it just feeds into, Mm. um, itself. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's my key. So a lot of times you might not really love yourself. You might not even really like yourself, but start um, the healing process and eventually you'll work your way up to, to that. I love that. I really, really love that. Um, sorry. It reminds So when I think about my healing process, I think about all the things that I've been made to feel are not good enough or not worthy of being loved and how I've try to change myself or be something different than what I actually am and how, you know, you start kind of almost hating the person that who, that you really are. And it's like, you don't like whatever quality you have. Like, okay. So for example, I get really nervous when I start talking about psychology to other people because I've always been that girl. Like, it's like, oh, here, mm-hmm. here goes Sasha again, or that's just Sasha's role. Like, and there's a level of shame and and like embarrassment that I feel towards it. But I actually have been starting to love those things about myself because it helps people. Like people can't pick and choose. That's so funny. People can't pick and choose what they like about you, right? Like it's oh, it's going to be like an all the time thing. And it, I, and then you start realizing to your point, oh, okay, I can't have this person who's picking and choosing me when it only benefits them. I'm going to leave them. Not leave. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave them. I'm going to kind of like, create space between them and find people who like what I do all the time or who are willing to deal with it in a positive way because they see my positives, right? And that's how you also kind of start creating a world for yourself where you're like, oh, I do love myself because Mm -hmm. now people are mirroring that. So it's so true. Um, Mm -hmm. I love that advice. Um, So I think that my last piece of advice is a little... It's a little funny. Um, I don't think a lot of people know this, but it, it came about because to Crystal's point, what I don't like, what I didn't like about myself for a long time was my curiosity. There was a lot of shame in asking questions and wanting to know more. Um, but I recently learned that that quote, curiosity killed the cat, has more mm-hmm. to it. And I really wish mm-hmm. that I would have known this because it would have proven my fucking point And I would have advocated <laughs> for myself. So the quote goes, curiosity killed the cat. But the whole idiom goes, like the the whole saying from where they get it from goes, curiosity killed the cat, but satisfaction brought it back. So guess what, bitch? Mm -hmm. It's worth being curious. (laughs) (laughs) Not guess what, bitch. (laughs) And I'm talking to everybody in my life who got annoyed when I asked questions. You can go... You can go whatever. Can sh- I don't. Right. You can shove the last half of that it, that saying up your, you know what. Mm-hmm. Um. Absolutely. <laughs> Fuck you, yo. This is me fucking taking up space. I love my curiosity. How about that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I love that you found out the rest of that saying because I feel like that happens a lot with a lot of sayings. I think the, the other one that I recently learned about is like jack of all trades, master of none. A jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one, right? Mm. So you sometimes think like, oh, like this person has too many interests. They got their oh foot goodness. or whatever, their hands in too many pots. And yeah, to some degree, it can be detrimental. But 
sometimes it's better than a master of one because imagine all you have is a hammer and mm. you need a screwdriver. Absolutely. Uh, do, would you prefer to have a toolkit or just your one hammer? Exactly. Uh, so I think that um, I'm glad that you found the other half of that saying and affirmed yourself because it's true. Absolutely. And it makes me think about how we start valuing certain personality traits, right? Like, it's Mm -hmm. almost as if, so with Michael, it's almost as if curiosity isn't valued because, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, you shouldn't ask too many questions, stay out of my business, blah, blah, blah. But actually, no, like, you need to be curious to learn. And with your quote, you kind of end up feeling bad for having so many interests. And I know this for a fact of, like, college students, Mm -hmm. they come into college feeling bad, like, I don't know what I want to major in. And then they're, like, shamed because they're 18. (sighs) Fucking 18 years old. You have to know what you're doing with the rest of your life. Yo, for real. And and then they come in and then they feel shame and then they, they're not motivated to do more, to go search, right? Because it's like, oh, there must be something wrong with them that they, they like so much. When in mm-hmm. actuality, that's a great thing. Um, it's so interesting, the values that these stupid ass sayings teach us. So be careful with what you tell people. Well, you know, I realize now that I forgot to tell you to get your notes out for this one, but it's okay. You could just re-listen to it and take your notes, okay? <laughs> let, let the first the first listen just to let it sink in, and then the second one, you're like, oh yeah, these are the these are the important points that I want to take down. So um, we hope that these lessons, all the things that we wish we were told, were helpful to you. So definitely make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Never Told This Pod or send us an email at nevertoldthispod at gmail.com. And make sure to come back in two weeks so we can keep telling you what they never told us. <laughs>